Welcome to Seeking Alpha's Wall Street Breakfast, your daily source of market news and analysis. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Welcome to Seeking Alpha Editor's Roundtable, What Moved Markets This Week for the week ending December 10th, a week marked by big rallies at the start of the week. S&P, Dow, and NASDAQ up several percentage points in the first three days of the week alone. Then markets took their breath a little bit in anticipation of today's inflation report, the CPI report, which came in basically pretty much exactly in line with expectations. And as we record this at noon on Friday, stocks are up a bit for the day, but up handily for the week. And here to discuss that with me are my colleagues from the Seeking Alpha Editors Pool, whom I will introduce now in no particular order. Kim Kahn, Senior News Editor. Jerry Cronenberg, Director of News. Stephen Alfer, Senior Senior Managing Editor of News. And I'm your host and moderator, Nathaniel E. Baker, Senior Editor of Strategic Contributors. So let's start with Kim to give us the big picture overview of what moved markets this week. Well, it looks like we're going to finish out the week kind of quietly today, judging by the trading as we record this around midday. But um, it was a kind of fast and furious start to the week. Um, you had um, you know, the biggest two-day gains for the S&P and the NASDAQ since March. And uh, you know, the rally is kind of fueled by some preliminary lab results from, from Pfizer and BioNTech saying that, that they can neutralize the Omicron virus with their vaccine in these early tests. It was enough to you know, have a relief rally that kind of benefited both cyclicals and the growth stocks um, and, you know, and also you know, brought rates back from the, you know, below 1.4% where they were last week. Now they're pushing up over 1.5% for the 10-year. So um, we had a big, you know, some a really big economic data point today with the CPI coming in uh, headline number at 6.8%. That's the biggest, um, f- fastest pace since 1982. Um, and the core is bumping up against 5%. It was at 4.9%, um, biggest since the uh, early 90s. So we're seeing some historical inflation numbers, but market reaction pretty good. Um, at least the futures bounced up, and though the paired gains later, um, and rates kind of dipped around to their level and are now moving back up. It was well because, as you said, it was within line with expectations, and it just wasn't worse than expected. Um, and then he thought that maybe Biden was kind of paving the way for for a big miss because saying that you know a lot of the changes in prices aren't baked into the November number yet. And um, so I think the market was worried about seven percent, but didn't get it. Mm. Yes, although it was still the highest inflation print since 1982 which is probably well before many of our viewers and listeners were even born. Stephen, um, not going to mention when you were born, because I don't know, but I suspect it was before then, but I'll leave that alone. But you, uh, what were you watching this week? Yeah, I mean, the inflation numbers, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I said a month ago on this show that the inflation numbers were disastrous for, uh, for both from the politicians in D.C. and, and, and for monetary like the Biden administration plus the monetary officials like the Fed, because it's going to they're going to need to action on it or at least the appearance of action on it. Uh, this month's numbers were no better. I agree with what the Biden administration said and what Kim just said, like, you know, the gasoline is a big part of it and that that should ease off a little bit. So maybe the headlines won't be so bad in coming months. I think gasoline prices are 50, 58 percent year over year. Uh, they obviously can't continue at that pace uh, forever, I wouldn't think. 
But, you know, it, it remains kind of disastrous numbers because it begs a response. And, hmm. and the response is typically going to be like really bad policy if we go back to like what Nixon did, right? First, there's going to be kind of the jawboning. And we've seen that, right? The Biden administration is asking the FTC to look into uh, some price gouging and that kind of thing. Uh, then the next, you kind of bring in some journalists. Hey, let's massage. The, you know, let's talk about the good stuff in the economy. And and the you know, and and Nixon did the same thing. LBJ did the same thing. And and Biden's doing it now. Let's try to talk. Let's try to spin these numbers to, to tell people inflation is a good thing. Pretty clown show stuff. And then the next, you start to get in some really serious bad policy, like wage and price controls, which Nixon implemented. And I have no doubt if these numbers stay high, the Biden administration will do something similar. That doesn't mean stock markets can't continue to rise. U.S. stock markets were in a major bull market throughout the early 70s inflation. They didn't crack until the Fed finally got serious and said enough of this. And they, they jacked rates to the moon. And, and that's when uh, you know, the averages fell, whatever, 50 or 60 percent in a short period of time. Yeah, yeah. We'll see if that repeats itself. I would suspect the Fed will probably not be hiking interest rates into the double digit area that Volcker did back in the early 80s, but we'll have to see. Jerry, um, our new man in charge and covering the newest issue market, basically SPACs and IPOs. Interesting to keep a gauge on that to kind of monitor the direction of uh, retail investors and others. So what are you watching there? Well, we had an interesting week uh, there. And uh, as I've said before, this is really the cherry on the top of the bull market, right? That IPOs are a good indicator of when you're market topping. And I see more evidence that we are because some things do well and some things do poorly. Uh, New Bank, a very important Latin American, what's called Neobank, had a great IPO this week. Uh, as we're talking now, it popped 36%. That's first day. Uh, as we're talking now, it's about 22% up net-net, had a little bit of a pullback. So had a great day. On the other uh, side of the coin, BuzzFeed, the media company, had a terrible opening after going public via a SPAC. First of all, about 95% of these SPACs, shareholders redeemed their cash. They said, no thanks, we don't want uh, BuzzFeed. The stock tanked, as we're talking now. The stock's down about 40% uh, since going public on Monday. So clearly a selective market for SPACs and IPOs. More indication macro, as far as I'm concerned, of a topping process uh, for the market in general. Mm. Interesting. Okay, let's move on to the second segment of the show, where we discuss our favorite stories, Seeking Alpha articles, tweets, or other things that we have come across in our travels. And let's start with Kim. Well, B of A was out with a um, note today, its flow show note, and made an interesting comparison saying now the NASDAQ right now is trading kind of like it was in, in 2000, 2001, right after the bubble pop for the dot-com boom. And um, it's drawing some comparisons there and saying, basically, it's time to sell the rips because on its way down from 5,000 to 1,100 post dot-com bubble, uh, the NASDAQ would add about 11 instances where it rallied 10% or more. So there's going to be these spikes that you're going to see, but it's recommending selling, settling those when you get them. And um, also pointed out this year that the NASDAQ's up about 23% year to date, and 64% of those gains are down to just five stocks. And so, you know, out of the whole 3,000 and then 3,000 plus in the NASDAQ composite, means, you know, Microsoft, Apple, NVIDIA, and Tesla. And so it's a, it's the same time to get out and maybe also an overlaid comparison chart between Invesco and Berkshire Hathaway during the dot-com bull and the ARC Innovation ETF um, and NASDAQ right now. And they're kind of trading in unison and it was a big pattern way down. 
Interesting. The topping process, I wonder if that will be a phrase that we start hearing about more into year end and early next year. Stephen, what about you? Uh, my favorite story was one done by our uh, financial editor, Liz Keish, uh, this morning on Goldman Sachs. Uh, as we know, for years, Goldman has has called kind of its its worst performing bankers, 5% of its worst performing bankers each year. They, they just let them go and in late December, early January. And, and, and they're not going to be doing that this year because there's such a there's such a labor shortage out there. There's such a need for talent. Deal making is still at an incredibly high level. I'm sure they'll be firing some people, but it's not going to be anywhere close to the 5% they normally do. In addition, Goldman expects about 5% of what they call involuntary leaves, which are basically folks who hang around, collect their bonuses early next year, and then send in the resignation letter. HR folks at Goldman are, are worried that it's going to be way over 5% this year because they're, again, there's such a demand for deal-making talent right now. Mm. Uh, so again, it's just a, a, another little part of kind of a one, the Wall Street boom, and two, the inflation story, which you know is now leaked, very much leaked into the wage picture. Interesting. And M&A boom, too, if we're seeing deals like that, um, yeah, that usually speaks pretty well to the economy and certainly to asset prices. And Jerry, what about you? Well, I'm watching something that's really probably not getting as much attention as it should, which is the Russia-Ukraine crisis. Joe Biden talked to the president of Russia, Mr. Putin, uh, this week. There are 100,000 Russian troops on the Ukraine border. That's not a really good sign. Uh, we've got some great coverage about this uh, from our reporters and our columnists. If we wake up one morning in the next few days and there are Russian tanks in Ukraine and Vladimir Putin is giving a speech about uh, how they have reunited, we're going to have a big problem, I believe, for stocks around the world. I think Europe would drop. That would take American stocks down. Uh, oil and gas, I think, will shoot up, uh, which has some positives if you own them, but some negatives in very other, various other uh, industries. So uh, I think it's not really getting the attention that it should, and I think it's quite a risk factor. Yeah, yeah. And, and Russia has done stuff in the region before. You know, they invaded Georgia, gosh, maybe 10 years. I can't even remember when. And they... Was that when it was? And they, they annexed Crimea, right? Um, right? That was probably, I think, about 10 years ago and, and basically got away with it, right? So right. we'll see. Uh, yeah, potential hot spot in the globe. Um, yet another one, I guess, along with uh, the South China Sea and, and a couple of others. So, and, and for me, I'll go once again back to the pro section of the Seeking Alpha website. This is the most curated content, the most timely articles that we send out to subscribers. And we came across one here by Jay Mintzmeyer, author of The Value Investor's Edge. And he has a bullish piece on Danaus Corporation, stock symbol DAC. They are a container shipping company, which is different from the other types of shipping companies. And in ways that are pretty interesting that he gets into in this article, not as closely tied to the economic cycle. And these containing, container shippers have sold off especially Danos over the last couple of months after a strong six, first six months of the year. And he says, this is a time to buy. He has a price target of about $110 a share. It's currently around 71. So that's more than 50% upside. So I recommend that people check that out. That's called Danos Corp cash flow machine primed for 50% plus breakout. And with that concludes our segment this week. Thank you for listening or watching as the case may be. If you want to watch the video, please do so. It airs on Friday afternoon, starting at 4 p.m. on the seekingalpha.com website. The slightly longer audio version 
goes live on Saturday morning around 6.30 a.m. You get that by subscribing to the Wall Street Breakfast account. And with that, we wish you a happy and healthy weekend and look forward to speaking to you again next week. That concludes today's Wall Street Breakfast. Thank you for listening. For the best investment analysis and news on the web, go to SeekingAlpha.com. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can sign up for our other podcasts, Behind the Idea, Essay for FAs, Let's Talk ETFs, the Cannabis Investing Podcast, and Marketplace Roundtable on those platforms as well. Have a great day.